0: C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia. Well, thank you very much, and good afternoon. I'm glad you're
1: joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and today we are going to be talking about the top relationship killers. Because usually I talk about all the things that make a relationship better and how to heal relationships, ourselves, and healing our relationship with God, these types of things. But today, I'm going to take it from the other direction. I'm going to tell you what kills relationships. Sometimes it helps if we understand them in both ways. So one of the biggest things that is happening in today's culture is that we really are not understanding the difference between gender and the, the stark differences in how we process information, how we communicate differently, how we perceive things differently. Um, and we also don't always understand temperament, which is um, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, whether you make decisions based more on thinking, whether you make them based more on feeling, um, the information that's important to you, these types of temperament differences also have a great, great amount of, of positive effect or negative effect on a relationship. So if I'm not understanding someone's gender or temperament, then many times I'm going to see those things as dysfunction, or I'm going to be taking those things personally. And in previous shows, we've talked a lot about gender and the differences between the genders and, and understanding the opposite sex. And so if I don't respect and understand or accept gender, and the differences, or I don't respect and understand temperament differences, then what's going to happen is that relationship is going to go um, in a downward downward spiral unnecessarily. And we're going to get a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of disappointments. The other thing that we need to do is also respect love languages. And, and there's a very famous book, uh, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, which is a very useful book when I do any of the marriage counseling or couples counseling that I do. And so when it comes to Love languages, if I am not understanding what someone's primary love language is and I just love them the way I want to be loved, well, they're going to be, I'm going to be creating a deficit in their life and I'm going to have to work a lot harder. So when I talk about love languages with people, I remind them that if, if your partner's love language is acts of service and your love language is gifts or affection and so all you want to do is give them gifts, well, they can still interpret it as love because you're trying to be loving, but it isn't going to really fill up that love tank. I'm going to have to do a lot more other things just to give them a little bit of what they need versus if I just say their their love language is quality time, I'm just going to do that one. I don't even have to worry about any of the other ones. I'll just do quality time. You will have so much more bang for your buck if you want to think of it that way. So then another one, the next one is, Not letting your partner, mate, spouse, children, friends, colleagues be God's problem. You can't, you just don't, you just don't enjoy the person because there's so many things about them that you want to change. And you spend too much time worrying about what's going on with them and whether or not they're going to change or whether you're seeing change instead of just enjoying that person and letting it be God's problem, that it really is, that person really is God's problem. It's not your problem. You have enough of your own problems, right? And the more that I focus on me in dealing with me and mastering self, the better I'm going to be able to manage their dysfunction or idiosyncrasies or foibles. So we want to respect gender, temperament, love languages. We also want to make sure that we're letting these people in our life be God's problem and that we are majoring in the majors and not in the minors. So another relationship killer is being controlling. And many times controlling people usually are fear-based people. So if you think about why would someone want to control? Well, the control is trying to provide security and safety for yourself emotionally, maybe financially, socially, whatever that may be. But when we get externally focused and we are trying to get all the ducks lined up, then those control issues can be very stifling to the other person. They can also be very hurtful because many times with control comes judgment. So we want to really be careful about those tendencies we have to want to externally control those things so that we feel better. Instead of saying, "Where can I? what can I do about me? Is there something about me that I need to be controlling? So another one is, like we were saying with the control issue, is focusing all on the externals and not addressing my own internal world. So when I am doing all the externals, then I don't have to focus on me and I don't have to deal with me. I just focus on people, places, and things. So how my house looks, how my husband looks, how my children are acting, where I'm working, how they're representing me, and it all becomes this external focus so that I don't have to do the internal job. And remember the saying that I gave you, if you don't do the internal work, the external won't work. So remember... You have to do the internal work for the external world to work. So again, another relationship killer that ties into this internal world is that I'm not working on my own issues. So I'm having no personal growth. So one of the ways I can kill a relationship is I'm not growing. Because this is how people grow apart. Because there's nothing new to share with one another. There's nothing attracting them to one another anymore. Because the most attractive people are dynamic people that are growing and changing and evolving and and pursuing being their own best version. And so these are the people that are in process, and we see they're in process. And we see that they are taking their own process very seriously. And so they're doing their own internal work, which means that every time I interact with them, there are new things to share because they continue to become a new person every day. Not that the old one isn't necessarily there, but what they're doing is they're constantly evolving and they're in a process of change which makes for a much more exciting person. So another one is not dealing with stress and the subsequent reactions spiritually, physically, and emotionally. So our world is very, very stressful. And I know that I have my own issues with stress. And we are, have very busy lives and very, uh, many responsibilities and m- so much pressure that the world puts on us and that we then also put on ourselves. So if we don't learn how to handle stress and handle it appropriately, then it's going to change me. And I'm not going to be the best version of myself. I'm going to be uptight. I'm going to be irritable. I'm going to be edgy. I'm going to be tired all the time. I'm going to be unmotivated, or I'm not going to want to go out and do anything fun because I'm so tired because I have so much work to do. And so if I don't manage my stress, it's going to take away from the life of the relationship. Again, How about this one? Unrealistic expectations. When I have unrealistic expectations on people, I'm always going to be let down. And I have to remind myself that the people in my life, they are mortals. They're not my parents. They're not my primary caregiver. These people, if I'm an adult, they're just mere mortals and they're struggling just as much as I am. And so I always tell people, you know, no one gets off this planet without a really big story. Everybody is going through something. Everybody is working on something. Or everyone, there are people resisting working on things. But we want to look at humans as human. And that we want to understand that God loves humans. And that we are to love his creation as well. And so we want to really practice this idea of forgiveness, of deference, of compassion, of mercy, of grace. And, and when I'm talking about this, I am not talking about abuse. I'm just talking about general average mistake making people like you and I. That I want to really practice focusing on who they are and not all the little mistakes or things they're doing that are, that, that are bugging me. Because if I do, then it starts to erode away at the relationship and the good feelings that we have in the relationship. Another huge relationship killer infidelity and pornography. And these um, infidelity is, is very damaging to a relationship. People also can heal from relationships. I have uh, many couples over the years that have struggled and had to go through that and have healed and have a, a great dynamic marriage because of it, but it is extremely painful and it is not anything that fixes anything. So what I am constantly telling clients is if you are in a relationship that you are unhappy in and you don't see that it's, it's fixing or that it can be fixed, many times what Christians do is they just keep going along hoping that somehow it will get better because they can't even fathom divorcing. Because that that is a horribly tragic thing to have to have happen. But when I say to people, you need to understand, the longer you stay in a bad relationship and it isn't worked on, the more vulnerable you will be to infidelity. Nobody, nobody is proud of infidelity. And it's very painful for couples that have started their relationship in infidelity and then have gone on to have a successful relationship. It's very difficult for them because they don't get to tell this wonderful story of how they met. They don't have a good past that they are proud of. So they can be proud of their current relationship and all that, what they have done to correct and forgive and ask for forgiveness in these things, but they don't get to have that good history. And so when I have couples that are in in marriage counseling, and one of them have, have been unfaithful, I can say to them, There's a great number of explanations as to why you were unfaithful. It can make sense to all of us, but it is never an excuse. And it is something that the person that has done that infidelity, that has been unfaithful, it's very difficult to forgive themselves. So these, and then pornography as well. This is one of the most difficult things for our soul and our spirit to manage and and to be, be a person of integrity and be someone that we can admire. Because pornography never fills up anything inside of you that's good. It just brings poison. And it lowers the value of human beings. And so with these, we're going to spend a little bit more time in the next um, segment. But it's imperative that you understand your own vulnerability. And that you know when you're becoming vulnerable. And that you reach out for help from someone. Whether it be a friend, a therapist, a coach, a pastor that you make sure that you don't actually then fall. Because once you fall, it is very painful. God is very forgiving. We always are forgiven. These things can be corrected. We can restore and repair. But it is something that I'm really wanting to encourage you to be on top of and not fall into. So in the next segment, we're going to talk more about these relationship killers. And we're going to end this show, and I'm going to tell you the number one biggest relationship killer. that's coming up. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Good afternoon. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me again. And we are talking about the top relationship killers. And in the first segment, we talked some about if I don't accept that there are gender differences, if I don't learn and educate myself on temperament differences and uh, gender differences, if I don't understand uh, love languages and how those work in relationships, if I am doing controlling things or am I being a controlling person, if I'm not working on my own issues, so I'm, I'm having no personal growth. If I'm not dealing with my stress well, if I have unrealistic expectations. And then we la- uh, the last one we talked about was infidelity and pornography and the danger of those and how very, very serious that is. So another relationship killer is taking things too seriously. And I'm sure you're chuckling as I say that. Because we can have a tendency to really take things seriously. We moralize everything. And judging, you know, God's process in their life. And so when we start to take things too seriously and we start to make everything be a moral issue and we let ourselves escalate inside as to the frustration level of of all the different individuals in our lives, we have to say to ourselves, I need to lighten up in the grand scheme of things in the course of eternity. Is this really going to make any difference? So if this person dies tomorrow... Am I going to remember these little frustrations that I'm taking so seriously today? Because we really want to major in the majors and not in the minors. Infidelity pornography, that is a major. That is a major. You know, they don't um, pick up their clothes, they forgot to take the trash out, they left the car empty, you know, didn't have gas in it. These types of things, they forgot to call when they said they were going to call. These are not necessarily character issues. And so we need to not take these so seriously. We really need to work on being flexible. And so what about codependency and boundary issues? Or when we talk about family of origin issues? So this is my good feelings depend and revolve around what you do, what you say, what your choices are, how you look, how you act. And so I must then control and teach and guide and direct you in order to have peace and be able to love you. So what happens? I get my identity from you. So if I'm not managing codependency and I'm betraying myself, I'm giving myself away. I'm letting myself be walked on. I'm caring about everybody else and not myself. What happens with that is these people get very weary, very tired, very angry, feel very unappreciated. And so it's important that if I don't manage boundary issues and codependency, if all of my good feelings come from how you feel about me or I'm okay if you're okay, that's very stressful and that puts control into the relationship because then I have to start trying to control you so that I, that I feel okay. I can't let you just be you, figuring out your life, letting God just do his process in you, and me being a companion walking alongside with you. So it's imperative that we work on codependency and boundary issues because these are, these are huge relationship killers that are very covert and very subtle. And many times we just think we're being nice people. But what we end up having is many resentments. So another one, big one, addictions, compulsive disorders, workaholism, food disorders, substance abuse, gambling, shopping. uh, And again, in this pornography, would go in this one, sex and love addictions, these types of, all these types of behaviors or um, self-medicating ways of dealing with life are going to take energy from the relationship. If you have an addiction, what happens is you kind of have a third person in the relationship with you. So you've got yourself, your partner, yourself, your children, yourself, your coworkers. but there's always this third person that comes with you, and that's the addiction. And those addictions take a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy, and a lot of emotion. And they are very stressful, and they are very draining. And so this is something that has been around since the beginning of time. God is very, very aware of addictions. He understands them completely. He is not angry with us for them. And one of my favorite verses is um, Psalms uh, 69, 33, I believe it says, He does not despise his captive people and he hears the cries of the needy. And so he understands how we become in bondage to things. He understands that we have an enemy that is seeking to devour us, seeking to kill, to steal, destroy us. And so he has great compassion So when you're struggling with an addiction, it's imperative that you do get some help because these are not things that you can do on your own. If you could do them on your own, you already would have. And so we want to always remove all the shame from addictions because the more shame that you place on yourself, the more self-condemnation that you place on yourself, the worse that addiction is going to become because the worse you feel, the more you're going to need to self-medicate. So this is imperative that you do not shame yourself, and you realize you're just a normal, regular, average, ordinary person that struggles with what normal, average, regular, everyday people struggle with. Assertiveness issues. This is another relationship killer. So if I haven't dealt with my codependency, I then avoid healthy conflict and and confrontation. This is me not doing me. So it's like I'm a non-person, and I abandon the relationship, even though I'm physically there. So my partner ends up having to do both sides of the relationship for me because I don't want to make any confrontation. I don't want to have conflict. I just want to do the right thing. I don't want to be in trouble. I always want you. I don't want you to be mad at me. I don't want to let you down. So what happens is I'm not a vibrant person any longer in the relationship because I am basically just letting you tell me what needs to be done, letting you tell me how I need to feel, and then I'm secretly going to become resentful. And so... This is something as simple as not volunteering information, and the other has to work hard to have a conversation. This is this passive-aggressive way of interacting. Or I'm unwilling to assert myself in healthy ways, so I let things build up, and then I explode. So over one little tiny thing, you know, they didn't turn the dishwasher on, and you lose it. So it's important that we understand assertiveness and that we learn how to do healthy assertiveness. And if you go... um, I think you can go to my website, and there are many shows um, that are on assertiveness, and I think, it's, I think it's even called assertiveness. So the next one is, again, another, another me not doing me, and this is in the area of self-care. Because I won't deal with me, because I'm not doing me, my spouse and my friends, my family, the government, whoever, has to take care of me, because I'm not taking care of me. See, if I allow for abuse in my internal home, in my internal world, then how am I prepared for the world of abuse and heartache outside of me? You know, have you heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people? So are you continually harming yourself by not loving or caring for yourself? One of the ways we talked about earlier, harming ourselves is addictions. This is not good self-care, even though it started out that way. We started out thinking it was going to care for us and make us feel better. So it's an act of love to take care of me. It's sacrificial because you see, I don't want to do it. I struggle with it just like everybody else does, but I know I need to do it. And so maybe I feel like I don't deserve it. What you want to think about is that you honor God and the people that love you when you take care of who they love. So think of how your your spouse, your husband's, uh, wives, children, friends feel. If you are ailing, if you are failing, if you are sick, if you are hurt, it hurts them. So think how much comfort and security you you offer these people that love you when you are taking care of yourself and they don't have to worry about that. So it is an act of love to care for who God cares for, and that is you. And so this idea of self-care is imperative if you want the health in your relationship that I know you desire. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again while we talk about Relationship Killers I hear the whispers in my Thank you for joining me again This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia And today we are talking about Relationship killers, the top relationship killers. And so in the last two segments, we talked about several things, all the way from if I don't understand gender and temperament, um, if I don't understand and accept or respect love languages, if I'm being controlling, if I'm not working on my own issues, if I'm not dealing with stress, if I don't know how to practice healthy assertiveness, if I have addictions or compulsive disorders, These things kill relationships. Pornography, infidelity, we talked about that. And this last one that we just ended the last segment on was the me not doing me, me not taking care of me. And so I want to give you an example of how powerful it is when people take care of other people and how difficult sometimes it is when we need to take care of ourselves and the lengths we may need to go to take care of ourselves because it is not fun to do. This is about you and I being our own best parent, our own best caregiver. Because, you see, God gave you to you to take care of you for him. And I'm going to say that again. It's very important you understand this. God gave you to you so that you take care of you for him. Because he's coming back. And I often use this example of my little dog, Jackson. He was a very cute little dog. He's not very intelligent. He's not very smart. But he's very, very sweet. And uh, I think he's the only dog I ever purchased. And they told me he was a chihuahua toy poodle mix. And I even have papers that say he is. However, he weighs 30 pounds. So he's a mongrel. We have no idea what he is. And he's, you know, he's 15 years old now. He can't really see, can't hear very well, but he has a ton of energy. But this dog belongs to me. It's very precious to me. So I give people the example of this. Let's say I'm going to move to California and I go check out some houses and I leave Jackson with someone to watch him And I go look for houses out there. I find when I come back home and I find out they lost him or I find out they beat him or they didn't feed him or they yelled at him. My goodness, if you have to understand, if I, if someone did that to my little dog, I'd want to kill him. Now I say that, you know, I'm saying that, but this is how God feels about you. See, Jesus says, I'm going back to, to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming back. And so Jesus is saying, I'm coming back to get you. Will you please take care of you until I get back? So it's important that you take care of you and that you make sure that you understand the price that God paid so that you could take care of you. Because he's willing to endure our pain, our heartache, how angry we get, how disillusioned we get with him. And yet his love for us is greater than his need to feel happy and to feel liked. His love is willing to endure conflict and the possibility of a lost relationship, all in the name of our health, our eternal safety, and our present ability to live out the life he's given us. You see, if I don't care for me, others suffer. Imagine if Jesus neglected himself. Imagine if he was lazy or slothful, that he didn't live out his calling, or that he was self-indulgent, or he was self-punishing. What if he hated himself? What if he acted like a prima donna because of the love and adoration of others? Or what if he acted like a victimized martyr, saying he wasn't worthy or important enough to be cared for? Would that be him loving himself, God, or all of us? So we want to see that Jesus was very good at caring for himself and making sure that he got the care that he needed, the time, the sleep, the food, the space that he needed so that he could walk out the calling that God had given him. So you have to understand, you are very valuable to God and have a tremendous amount of resources. We are more willing to take care of the planet and all its re- resources than we are of ourselves. We're, make, we're willing to make all kinds of provisions, spend all kinds of money and sacrifice in ridiculous ways for the planet and for animals, but not for ourselves. See, we always want to take care of the exterior, not the interior. So think of it this way, don't you love it when people that you love love when, don't don't you love it when when people that you love love people that you love? You know, it's like if people love my husband, I just think, "Oh, that makes me feel so happy because I love him." So you want to think about how powerful it is when you are loving the one that God cares for. So if I don't love and care for myself, this is truly more sinful because this way I'm neglecting and harming and abusing someone that God died for. So I need to be taking care of his creation. And this is imperative that I remind myself that God wants me to care for the one he cares for. So remember, he gave you to you so that you could care for him for you and give that back to God. So this last part, we're going to talk about one more and that this is not dealing with emotional baggage from the past. Another relationship killer is not dealing with that emotional baggage. Because if it's not dealt with, it takes energy from the from the relationship. We're going to finish this up in the last segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking today about top relationship killers. And as we go into this, this final part of the show, I'm going to reiterate a little bit more, maybe some of the really majors. And that would be not respecting gender differences or temperament differences. That would be having controlling issues. That would be not dealing with your own fear, so you end up being a fear-based person, and fear-based people are often very controlling. A big one is this focusing on the external world and not the internal world. Not dealing with stress well, having unrealistic expectations, taking things too seriously, moralizing everything, infidelity, pornography, huge relationship killers. Codependency and boundary issues. If I'm not dealing with where I end and you begin... And if I'm not managing me, if I have addictions, if I have compulsive disorders like workaholism, gambling, substance abuse, sex and love addiction, these types of things get very much steal from the relationship because they become almost like a third person in the relationship. If I haven't dealt with my assertiveness issues. So I end up becoming passive aggressive and then things build up and build up so much that I end up exploding over a very small thing. And the last one that we were talking about in this last segment was me not doing me, this issue of self-care. And so what I want to leave you with on that issue of self-care, because the enemy is constantly wanting us to think that somehow taking care of ourselves and loving ourselves is being sinful. When God wants us to love all, and we are one of those. And so it's this relationship with self that we have to learn to manage, because the way I deal with me, the way I relate to me, inevitably becomes the way I relate to others. So I want you to remember this. I need to honor my master to care for what he cares for, to care about what he cares about. And that means all people. That means me. So love is feeling and intention put into action. So I want you to think about that when you're considering taking care of you. So we were then talking about not dealing with emotional baggage from the past. And that if this is not dealt with, it takes energy from you and from the relationship. It ends up bringing your past into your present, and then that alters your future. So we really want the past to be the past. We want all those relationship uh, interactions or hurts or offenses, whoever it was with, whether it's a colleague, um, a boss, children, people from when you were in high school, boyfriends, girlfriends. Uh, brothers, sisters, whatever the, the emotional baggage and hurt is, we need to have that be dead so that it really is the past, that there's no energy around it, so that we have a memory and it's just, as, it's just our facts. Instead of remembering it and having a flood of feelings that come with it, that always indicates that there's some emotional baggage that needs to be resolved. So another one, not practicing the habit of forgiveness. This is a very big one. This is we need to keep our list very short. And so I want to be, on an ongoing basis, practicing forgiveness. And I will tell you the truth. When it comes to self-care, practicing forgiveness with self is imperative. The more I am able to forgive myself, you will be amazed at how more compassionate you are with other people. Because remember, what goes on in your internal world is what comes on out in the external world. So how about not learning healthy relationship skills or healthy communication skills? I need to be able to learn to communicate and communicate who I am. Because truly, as an adult, it is my job to help you understand me. It is not your job to understand me. That's what we do for children. They don't understand themselves. So we work really hard at understanding them. So one of the things that I do that helps the relationship is I learn to communicate in a way that people understand me easily and I'm not confusing to them. So that if I am, I take responsibility for it and I do everything I can to try to undo that. That doesn't mean that we're not to truly seek understanding each other. But it's important that I learn how to healthfully healthfully communicate who I am and what my feelings are. So another one, time. Relationships require time. Think about God being with us always. How much time he gives us. And so we can't be loving and in a love relationship and not spend any time. Because relationships require time. Here's another one, not being an adult. Adults know how to get along. So many times with, uh, when I'm doing relationship counseling, sometimes I'll have to say to two grown adults, you know how to get along, get along. Because we kind of give ourselves license to just be whoever we feel like we are, say whatever we need to say, act however we need to act, and then just expect that person to get over it. This is what we do for small children. We don't expect them to have self-control. And so a relationship killer In a very covert, insidious, like termites, like a cancer, is when I'm not being an adult, I'm not being respectful, courteous, considerate, and instead I give the other person the worst version of myself, the completely uncensored, raw version, and then I give the world my best version. And then I have unrealistic, immature expectations that somehow you'll be attracted to me and like me. This is an amazing phenomenon that's going on in our culture right now. So you have to understand, they still may love you, but they might not enjoy you as a primary relationship. Because it's up to me. If I want people to like me, I need to be likable. And so it's imperative that I understand if I don't want to kill that relationship, I need to be in charge of myself. One of the best ways to help a relationship is simply be polite. I've had some couples where I've had to say to them, we are not working on any issues until I can get the atmosphere in your home changed. I want you to talk about no issues. I simply want you to be polite at home. That's it. I want you to use polite language like you would to a stranger. And you would be amazed at how much that helps the atmosphere of their home. So another one, not keeping confidences. This is very damaging to relationships and kills relationships, is when I am exposing weaknesses, taking advantage of them, and I'm not being a safe place, a safe person for my partner, my spouse, my children, my friends, that in public I'm teasing them about weaknesses they have. And I'm thinking that it's funny. See, these are not these types of things, these kind of snide, sarcastic ways of interacting with people, tear down things, even if they're clever. If there's an element of sardonic um, humor, then it tears people up, it tears them down. And it causes them to have to be more protective and defensive when they're around you. So it's important that if we want people to enjoy confidence with, then we need to be a safe person. All right. So lastly, out of all the relationship killers, the number one, this is how it can be summed up. The biggest relationship killer of all is simply selfishness. This is, I don't have to monitor or parent myself. I don't have to control myself. My words, my actions, my emotions, I have no shame. I am shameless. I want things immediately, and if I'm not happy, someone's going to pay because I just want to be happy and liked all the time. So it's not about how I affect you. It's all about how you affect me, and you are to manage my internal world. This is what selfish people are like. This is what God abhors. This is the antithesis of God. And so when we are wanting relationships to be successful— we can know that if we bring selfishness into it, we are already now sinking the ship. That's essentially what we're doing. We're poking holes in the bottom of the ship. We're taking big holes out of the sides of it, and it's going to sink. Because selfishness is a cancer, and it eats away at the relationship. And people that are selfish also causes them to be unhappy. And the more unhappy they are, they have a tendency to spread it around. So selfishness is the biggest killer of all. And this is placing concern with oneself or one's own interests above the well-being or the interest of others. And this is where it's important that if you have codependency issues, assertiveness issues, self-care issues, those, those areas get very confusing to people when I talk about selfishness because they don't want to be selfish. And so it takes some time to untangle that and unwind that a little bit. What I want you to know if you're practicing the love chapter with yourself, if you're receiving that, that love from God, you're giving that to yourself, you are going to have so much to give to others. It won't be nearly as complicated. And so it's important that you see that at first glance, self love and self care may seem selfish. What we know is that the more I love, the more love I receive from God, the more love I produce from that inside of myself, the more I have to give and the more I want to give. So the more I take care of me, the more I don't have to think about me and I can take care of you and think about you. So if you think about the analogy of a car, you know, I drove to the station today and I'm doing this show and I don't have to think about my car because I take care of it. I do the maintenance. And so it rarely has big problems because I do the daily ongoing maintenance of that car. And so I don't have to think about it. But if I didn't take care of my car, I would have to think about it all the time. And so would everybody else because I wouldn't be dependable I couldn't get to where I needed to go. I couldn't help people if I needed to. And so if you think of it just simply as a car, that self-care is about maintenance. It's kindness. It isn't indulgence. Indulgence, that would be more selfishness. So I like these sayings that I looked up on selfishness. This one's from Oscar Wilde and it made me kind of laugh. He says, selfishness is not living as one wishes to live. It's asking others to live as one wishes to live. Or this one by Jared Kintz. This is very funny. He says, The only gift I have to give is the ability to receive. If giving is a gift, and it surely is, then my gift to you is to allow you to give to me. I mean, these are, this is, it's amazing to me. Now, this is Stephen Kendrick from The Love Dare, and I like the way he, he talks about this. He says, Almost every sinful action ever committed can be traced back to a selfish motive. It is a trait we hate in other people but justifying ourselves. So, I think it's imperative that we realize how powerful the act of selfishness is and how much it steals from us and how much God is wanting to heal that. And so what we want to do is we always want to face God and let him be the judge and that we are not condemning ourselves. So we all struggle with selfishness. That, that is not going to go away until we die or Jesus returns. So learning to live with selfishness as a way of daily sacrifice so that I am constantly putting that thing to death has a lot to do with, and this is going to sound strange, but self-care because I don't want to take care of myself. Nobody does. We may want to indulge ourselves. That's different. But truly taking care of me is a sacrifice. It takes effort. It takes time. It may take money. And so that is how I, I work against selfishness, is that I care for who God cares for. As I do that, I am then much better able to care for those that he cares about. And so these, this idea of relationship killers, it's important that you, that you look at these, that you ask yourself these, those kind of probing questions. And if you hear that voice in your head that says, yeah, but, well, yeah, I do that, but, What you want to recognize is absolutely we all have great explanations for why we do what we do because we live in a hard world and everyone that we're interacting with is dysfunctional to one degree or another. So I can always have excuses for why I act the way that I do because I'm interacting with also dysfunctional people that might bother me, might hurt me, might get on my nerves, drive me crazy. What I always want to come back to, though, is it doesn't make any difference. I still need to be the person that God has called me to be. I still need to say, you know what, it doesn't matter whether I have an excuse or an explanation. I still need to change that quality. So if you need to educate yourself more, maybe you need to read some books on gender, on temperament. And uh, there's a really good one called uh, Please Understand Me Too. And it really uses the Myers-Briggs, which is my favorite temperament test. You may need to, you know, read the five love languages. If you have some addictions, you may need to contact a therapist. You may need to tell a friend, a pastor a life coach, if you're struggling with infidelity or pornography, I want to really encourage you to call a therapist quickly, very quickly, because it will just become more damaging as it, as it goes on. You won't be able to get out of that by yourself. And when, if you do stop the relationship or stop doing pornography, you won't be able to heal from what it did to you, and you will need to have some help with that. So I'm so glad you, you joined in today. I hope this was helpful for you, and I look forward to talking to you next Sunday afternoon at 4 And you can visit me at CynthiaHyatt.com. Have a great week.
0: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at KPXQ1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ.